Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I want to be able to say anything I want about anything. And I think that you should have the ability to say anything you want about anything. That doesn't mean you get the response you want for having said anything you want about anything. There are consequences. You know, what does cancel culture mean? Somebody didn't like it. They got a lot of people to agree that they didn't like it. And now you have to deal with their feelings. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. Celebrating the holidays, my compatriot, I am Nick Severi. That's right. On the program today, our year-ender episode that we love to do every year. We like to look back. Some of the topics that we've discussed, some of the guests that we've had on the program, Nick and I are going to play some clips from people that have been on this program talking about some really serious issues. And we are so excited that we were able to share it with you guys. Nick, um, how are you celebrating the uh, the holiday break? Safely. <laughs> my, yeah, Seriously. it's just gonna be my yeah, it's just gonna be my parents over. Um, you know, just enjoying the holidays. It's I mean, you experience this as a parent yourself. It's it's just a different energy. And I'm at the point where I don't it's not about my wife and I, our gift exchange. We do that still, but it's just the joy in the kids' faces. And our oldest, yeah. you know, still believes in Santa and just how do you recreate that magic? So for the time that we have, which is probably till the girls are, you know, like in their early teens or whatever um we just cherish it for what we have now man and i get time off from work so those yeah. those are the things i look forward to listen stay safe everybody i'm here in new york and you know there's a lot of lines out there at some of these covid testing sites you know we have a bunch that are out in the city and people are getting tested because holidays you know taking trips also you know it's funny i watched the way the news is covering some of these long lines for covid testing it's like do they not realize that new york is the number one travel destination in the u.s during the holidays i mean rockefeller center you know i mean even though the Rockettes show got canceled but so many different people that are coming here into new york city so of course people are getting tested because wherever they're going back to they have to show proof or etc but either way uh, in the in the new year, we're going to have a doctor on the program. We're going to talk about uh, Omicron and, and 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 the new variant that's that's creeping in and and ways you can stay safe and vaccine hesitancy and all that. But that is, is in 2022. First, let's look back at 2021. Uh, I want to give a shout out first to all of the listeners out there, everyone who's been tuning in. I have received some great emails from folks. Uh, we've written some. Uh, we've gotten, excuse me, some reviews from people. I want to read one in particular because uh, Erica Miley, if you listen to us over on Good Pods, check out our show over on Good Pods. She wrote a really nice uh, note for us about the American Radical episode. She thought the conversation was really thoughtful and she's going to check out the American Radical series. So thank you to Erica. I want to thank uh, my sister, Julia, who's been listening to the program. Uh, she's put me onto another podcast that's great, A Rabbit Hole from the New York Times. So to be checking out that pod as well but she's a regular listener you know we get feedback from so many different people all the time nick uh you know people that have been with us from the beginning of the show one of my friends edwin i know he's out there listening he's always texting me hey you should have this person on you should have that person on. i'm sure you get that nick who do, who do you get that from i'm sure there's some people that have been bugging you about who we have on the program <laughs> not even so much but not even so much 
bugging us as, as just celebration. Um, first person that comes to mind for me is a colleague of mine at work, uh, Elaine Avinom, who um, big history buff, was blown away by the fact that we have Professor Eric Foner on this show, um, listens regularly, has nothing but positive comments, and just a lot of just encouragement for us. So shout out to Elaine. Uh, recently, um, actually, my my colleague, Stacey Schultz, who's also the president of the company I work at at Educate, huge listener. Um, a lot of just positive things she shared as well. Recently, her and I, with our uh, just our another coworker, Chris, actually, um, just we're all talking about the show. Like we're sitting outside having a drink, and they're just talking about what they're enjoying about the program, and that means a lot. That people actively listen, you know, leave us reviews, positive things to say. Just grateful. You know, Mike and I talk often about the growing statistics, and Mike, just like a hawk, tracks regularly. You know how this show is performing. And it's powerful stuff. I mean, it's we go through a weird cycle of accepting kind of what feels like a version of fame in that we have so many people that listen to the show. Mike likes to send me the occasional updates as far as like globally, you know, what countries are, are feeling us. And because there's heat maps, you can see what parts of the world people are really digging our program. And we just recently found out that, you know, we've we're we're rated under the top 200 podcasts in the category of I think news and commentary in France. That's right. I mean, People in Paris are hip to this, man. It's crazy. It's That's right. you know, baguettes and berets and CWP in the house. Yeah, right. um, CWPT and, and CWPT. Yeah. You know, and we're like, and, and we're in the top hundred in the UK as well. So, now, and again, my my office is in London as well. A lot of colleagues there, but either way, people still have to listen to it. So, shout out. Yeah. Um. Listen, we talked about all the positives. But we, you and I have gotten some negatives. I'm going to read a couple there's, of these. There's a fair amount of smoke. I, I'm excited for this. Bring it. Bring it. We're not even going to put this behind Patreon. I want to hear this, and then you and I can respectfully respond. Okay, let's do that. Um, there's some negative comments out there that we've gotten recently. And, you know, <laughs> we, we, we've joked about, you know, somebody called us a liberal propaganda machine. Again, that was an email somebody wrote. But yeah. recently, our TikTok has been blowing up in comments. If again, follow us. I can we please talk podcast? Can we please talk podcast? If I could talk uh, at TikTok, we got we recently posted the Amen and Preethi uh, clip about American Radical. I want to read you one of the comments that we got there, Nick. Okay, I want to get your take on this. So we posted the clip. If you don't know, it's a clip about uh, Amen and Preethi talking about Roseanne Boylan and how she got caught up in all this. And the first person says, um, <clears throat> so basically people doing independent research is becoming radicalized in air quotes. You guys are total sheep. And <laughs> you know, bye, bye, motherfucker. <laughs> I was at that if you want to, but right. no, um, no, Stace, I was texting people this comment because I wrote back. So doing research is watching YouTube videos. You know, I mean, at least check out the series first before you comment. And I see you got the memo on all the buzzwords to use. Right. It's 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 hysterical to me that you and I not only are putting out content out there, but with with everything, there comes criticism. Right. Some of it, you know, rightfully so. But then there's nonsensical things like that where you and I just create burner accounts and just dive into the muck with some of these people and we'll, you know we'll you, don't need to, you don't need to give all that away like no well, hey, like, hey. Like kevin duran like what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> well listen well that's what we do i mean like our, the joe rogan segment that you and i did the read the rune mm-hmm. segment a while back yeah you know a lot of people over 60 something comments and half of them are people like hey i'm with joe on this i'm like oh you're with dr joe rogan i didn't realize he had recently <laughs> well they're a good company with aaron Rodgers, so you yeah. know right exactly so i just wanted to read that comment because i always thought that was funny the topics that we've done 
on this show so far this year. There's been a bunch that have been my favorite. Um, and what we're really trying to do now with this program is Nick and I discuss, you know, the news of the day. So you guys, you know, can can understand what is going on. Trusted sources, we, you know, we're doing that for you here. And then we have people on the program that are going to give informed opinion, people that are covering it or people that are, have covered it. And let's get into a couple of those people, because, you know, this year we've had some great guests that have been on the program. Nick, who is one of the first people that come to mind for you uh, when you think about all the guests that we've had on the program, the topics we discuss? What's what's one of your favorite that we've had on? I'm going to go. I, first name that comes to mind is Ron Filipkowski. You know, a Ron is a fantastic follow on Twitter. You know, if you are a Twitter user, it's one of the best people to pay attention to. A lot of great content that he's basically pulling from, not basically, but pulling from, from watching hours of right wing, just far right Republican content basically doing the Lord's work. He is looking through hours of stuff, pulling out the real, just wild stuff and putting that on, on social media to articulate what he's seeing going wrong with a party that he used to be affiliated with. Ron's story is amazing, man. I, I can't say enough of someone who is willing to put party and politics aside for what is right. And what we're seeing right now with a segment, maybe not all, but a good segment of the Republican Party is dangerously leaning toward open rebellion. You know, suddenly it's 1860 again in the United States of America. And, you know, it's led by folks like Madison Cawthorn and, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and other whack jobs like that. And Ron is doing the job of letting us all know daily what's going on. So Ron comes to mind for me first. Yeah. Take a listen to Ron prognosticating here of what he thinks the January 6th committee will do, should do, and what some of these guys like Nick just mentioned, the Madison Corthons, the Steve Bannons of the world are really up to in this next election cycle. If you were advising the January 6th commission now in terms of what to your, in your view, would best shed light as to what's going on and possibly wake all of us up to what the realities are of the extremism on the far right. What, what are some points you would offer the commission to, to, to seriously to consider? Well, you know, there's two different things there because the commission is more honestly backward looking in its mission as far as what has already happened not so much forward-looking, I don't think. They got enough on their plate dealing with what happened. And I'm more forward-looking because what I saw after January 6th was the people who are involved in organizing that. You know, your Bannons, your Russell, your uh, Charlie Kirks, your Ali Alexanders, your, you know, you, you can rattle them all off. Uh, um, Roger Stone. I watched those guys regroup in February and March and spin their wheels a little bit. What are we going to do now? And they've all coalesced around one game plan, really, which is we're going to shift our focus from D.C. and what's going on in Washington to local government agencies. And all of their time, focus, money, attention, rallies, at conferences, everything right now that they've been doing since March is geared towards targeting local governments, school boards, city commissions, county commissions, um, and most importantly, supervisors of elections and secretaries of state. That's the big plum that they're really targeting in 2022 that they don't talk about publicly because what they wanna do is these are low level positions, they're low profile, they're often nonpartisan races that nobody pays attention to, 
These are the gatekeepers of election integrity. They want to not only change the voting laws and make it more difficult to vote, they want to replace the people who count the votes and run the elections with rabid right-wing MAGAs. And, and I, say, I say to you, imagine how differently 2020 would have turned out if Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and uh, what's the other, Michigan, all had MAGA Republican Trumpian secretaries of state. And we needed all four of them to certify that election. What would have happened? It would have yeah. been utter chaos. Thankfully, we didn't. And their plan is to replace each one of those four people. Today's episode of the pod is presented by the good folks at BetterHelp, betterhelp.com. Uh, Nick, is something preventing you from achieving your goals? What interferes with your happiness? My kids. No, I'm just messing. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I love it. Better kids. help no. clip that. <laughs> no, no. Um, that's a great question, man. I feel like I need more time to process that. But um, I, I would say it's me. I think like most people, I, I think we tend to get in the way of our own pursuit of happiness for a variety of reasons. You know, obviously I coach by trade, so um, that's a lot of the work that I do. But BetterHelp's an amazing service, man. Tell them yeah. more about it, Mike. You know, that is some great insight right there. BetterHelp, if you're listening, Nick's available to be a therapist because BetterHelp we'll slow will- slow down that one. <laughs> right. Well, they'll still go through the vetting process, but- Of course. BetterHelp will assess your needs. They match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You know, mental health is big these days, folks. And, 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 and seriously, you know, you're seeing companies start new initiatives, you know, to give employees days off. The company I work at has done something recently to, to try to give a week off to people. I know a lot of people in the technology space are overworked during the holidays. You're trying to create all this great content and these new streaming services. And you know, you, you get a little fried and BetterHelp is there. It connects you in a safe, private online environment. It's so convenient. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now listen, it's not a it's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help. It's a it's a professional counseling done securely online. You can send a message to your counselor anytime and you get timely and thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. Nobody hates sitting in a waiting room more than me. Uh BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. The service is also available for clients worldwide. And you can find the particular expertise you need online. Don't limit yourself to the counselors just located near you. It's available in all 50 states. If you want to start living a happier life today as a listener of Can We Please Talk, you're going to get 10% off your first month. By visiting betterhelp.com backslash listener, join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com backslash listener. You know, Ron, um, I've seen him now recently. He was just on Smirconish, uh, a CNN program, um, and he was talking about some of this stuff as well. But his team really does do a great job monitoring all this all, all this ex extreme right-wing media i really want i want to emphasize that because again i've mentioned this a bunch and i've worked in the conservative media space you know that's fine covering things from a conservative angle we're not talking about that you all know we're not talking about that we're talking about 
the loony birds, the fringe extreme folks that are that are really soiling the rest of the reputation of that party. Olivia Troy is a perfect example of somebody that we've had on that is not in that category and still has an R next to her name uh, when you see her, you know, uh, represented on television. Um, I guess for me that speaking of, you know, the voting. And what's coming up in the midterm elections, we've seen so many people drop out or at least announce that they're not going to run for re-election. Uh, there's 23 House Democrats right now that have announced they're not going to go up for re-election. I think there's about seven or eight Republicans, uh, one in your state. Uh, there's a couple in the Senate as well. Um, and we had Harry Enten on from, from CNN. He's their data analyst. Now, again, this is what I love about this, right? You have a guy on from a major news network. As soon as you say CNN, people go, oh, here we go. CNN, liberal media. Here we go. Here we go. Right. All the buzzwords. Right. But the difference is Harry works in statistical data. He looks at trends. Right. He looks at what has happened in midterms, in previous presidencies, off off uh, year elections like we had with Virginia and New Jersey this past year. He looks at statistical trends to help better inform what he goes to air and tells people about what the numbers tell him, you know. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And I love that Harry, as somebody, again, I work in the sports data space. um, I am so excited that Harry was able to come on the program and really explain some of the trends that we're seeing statistically that point to what could happen in the midterms in 2022. You know, I think people hear about a diversifying country and they therefore think, oh, okay, this is good for Democrats because Democrats tend to do well with people of color. Um, they do their best with African-Americans. Then they do their second best with Asian-Americans. Then they do very well with Hispanics. Um, and therefore, Democrats are going to do very well. This was a theory or a thesis that was um, sort of brought to the forefront in the beginning of the century, which sort of said that Democrats would not be on easy street, but would be in very strong position. Here's the issue. Uh, And this has to do with how campaigns deal with this overall. Either A or one, um, campaigns, Republican campaigns, if that's the case, need to have greater outreach to people of color. Or B, it could be the case that they try and run up the score of white voters. Um, And we have seen white voters as a group vote more and more Republican uh, compared to the baseline of the nation for the most part over the last uh, 30 years. So that has sort of put a blunt to the instrument um, that perhaps Democrats would gain. Or B, which is something that's very much been interesting to me, um, is that, you know, we don't really, I don't know if it's been spoken about nearly as much, uh, but the reason Joe Biden won was because he did seven points better with white males than Hillary Clinton did. If you look at all other voters in the electorate, he in fact did a point worse than Hillary Clinton did. Uh, Joe, uh, Donald Trump vastly outperformed his two, or at least outperformed, vastly might be a strong word, but outperformed his standing in 2020 among people of color compared to his 2016 performance. So I, I tend to be very, very cautious in reading too much into what the census necessarily means for future results, but I do understand Stand, and I think people should understand that campaigns need to change. And, you know, inside an individual campaign, you know, this year versus two years from now, you know, look, they're going to be, they're going to mostly be running the same campaigns that they have, right? These are more glacial changes than they are immediate changes. 
Um, but in terms of campaigns over the long term, what I think you're going to be seeing is what you generally see in a state like Florida, right? You saw that Rick Scott um, and Ron DeSantis ran campaigns in which there was real outreach to Hispanics. Now, Florida has, an, has a differing Hispanic population than the country as a whole, insofar as you know, Cubans make up a large portion of it, much more so than they do as the nation as a whole. But Donald Trump also did better with Puerto Ricans in and around Orange County, Orlando, than he did four years ago. Uh, so look, I, I think that you're going to be seeing different Republicans run different campaigns as the country starts to look perhaps more like Florida and Texas than it does like Wisconsin and Michigan. But these are glacial changes taking over, taking over the long term. They're not things that will be impacting elections just yet. Yeah, Mike, to your point, regardless of the network that Harry comes from, the data is real. And he does a phenomenal job of just breaking down what this polling data is telling us, you know, doing it so far in advance to just start to make predictions. And for those of you who are, you know, more right leaning, you know, the numbers tell us one picture about potentially what we may see in terms of changes in House leadership, or at least in terms of House majority control, which um, bodes well potentially for Republicans. You know, but Harry plays that straight. It is very much about what is the data telling him and what polls to pay attention to. So, you know, I consider Harry a data scientist, um, yep. just an awesome person to get to know. So who, who's somebody else, if you had to think of another guest or even a topic, something that we've discussed that comes to mind? You know, other, uh, aside from being an education nerd, I am also a history nerd. So when I think about guests, I also think about Professor Kim Whaley, um, who, you know, I think came to us from the Baltimore School of Law, um, is a regular legal contributor. You know, when Kim came on, one of the things that she had done was talk about the the historical significance of January 6th and the very real possibility of what we're seeing happening right now with democracy in America. And again, we met with her a while ago and what we've been seeing since then is just some of the message messaging on the far right that speaks to this idea of being comfortable you know, with insurrection. We recently just heard a audio clip of uh, Cong Congressman Madison Cawthorn talking about you know being supportive of, of a set, as, as was said on the clip, a second amendment reaction. <laughs> to uh, elections, which is code for insurrection. Um, and she talked about this months ago, seeing the trend. You know, we've had other guests that have spoken to that, but I thought from a standpoint of what the Constitution tells us in terms of how we understand where we are as a country, I thought she did a, she did a phenomenal job and just another guest that comes to mind. What we've seen is essentially under the, this last president, the guardrails of the democracy in terms of making sure presidents don't act like kings fall apart. The Justice Department has a long-standing internal policy memo. It's kind of like an employee manual that says, you know what, don't prosecute sitting presidents. That goes back to Richard Nixon. So you can't use the criminal justice system against a sitting president. Um, we saw not just the insurrection acquittal, uh, but we saw the first impeachment remember one of the one of the claims was you know what you've completely blown off every congressional subpoena congress said no problem we're going to acquit you on that which sets a precedent that congress basically has no power over the president anymore so so the reason i put that last line in there is i really think this civil this civil line of inquiry particularly given that republicans in the congress refused to 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 vote up a or, or authorize 
a nonpartisan commission to get into to get to the bottom of January 6th. Democrats caved on all their requirements, so it was tailor-made to how the Republicans want it. They wouldn't do that either. So it kind of is like, what's left? What's left is a civil lawsuit. There are a lot of problems with that lawsuit, uh, barriers that, that Eric Swalwell would have to come out to overcome. But the problem is, um, if the Supreme Court were to say, and there are good reasons to say, listen, you can't sue presidents over stuff like that, then we're really left with unlimited power in the U.S. presidency. And maybe, you know, there are listeners out there who supported Donald Trump. That's, you know, I respect that. The issue, though, is if you change the job description and say anything goes, uh, one day there'll be someone you don't like. And then it's too late to turn that that around. And I've been kind of ringing this bell uh, for four years now. And I'm sure we'll get into voting in elections. But but I think things are even bleaker than they were prior to the 2020 election when it comes to the electoral system and voting. And I said on Ali Velshi on Saturday, MSNBC, um, we're one, we are really one one election cycle away from the, the end of American democracy as we know it. It's been this systematic dismantling of government by we the people. And it might just be that we need to lose it to realize how precious it is. You know, um, Kim Whaley, uh, I I love Kim Whaley. Kim, I know you listened to the program. Uh, she pinged me recently on about something um, in love, in love, you know, again, with her work, you know, because it's I see her. She's one of those people that um, NBC News, CBS News, CNN. She writes for The Hill. She writes for Bulwark. She teaches. She's got these great books out, how to read the Constitution and why you should, why voting matters. Like she's she's really trying her hardest, man. And I know she did a little bit of the the doomsday. You just heard in that clip and you're like, I'm all for the doomsday stuff. But like she really is trying to sound the alarm and stand on top of whatever, you know, perchant that she can and yell it out in the megaphones. Hey, guys, this is serious stuff, man. And, you know, somebody is going to figure out how to weaponize this and put this all together for, for a culmination of, of potentially stealing an election. It could happen here on these shores. Speaking of, it could happen here on these shores because the, the people that we just had on the program, the last episode, uh, American radical, it's the number one podcast in America available wherever you get your podcasts, the host and the producer of that program, Eamon Mohideen and Preeti Varathan were on the program recently. You know, I asked both of them, we, I felt like we've got so many good questions off in that interview. I really, really loved that conversation. But the one that stuck with me was, and we've had different people comment about this, but the news judgment part of it, right? Eamon's got a very unique perspective. He's Egyptian. Um, he's covered foreign correspondency overseas in Syria and, and in Egypt as well. The crisis that happened in Cairo for, for MSNBC and NBC News. So he's got a unique perspective talking about how the media coverage is in those foreign nations versus how it is here. And I asked him really about news judgment. How should people be consuming and interpreting news? Because the central character in his podcast consume news through YouTube, and that's not how you do it. OK. And again, you could say, hey, Mike, Nick, you guys are on YouTube. Yeah, I know. We're not a news program. Yeah, we are news commentary and we have people on because Nick and I want to learn more about it and we want to disseminate that information. But also you should be using us similar to what Eamon mentions as a as a way to diversify your news sources. So not only us, but trusted news sources from the Reuters, politicals, MSNBCs, all, all that run the gamut. And I felt like Eamon answered that question so perfectly. What would you say to people 
since both of you work at a pretty prominent network, what would you say about news judgment and how they should be consuming news? That's a, I mean, that's a good question. And, and it's something that I've dealt with a lot overseas again, and not, not to make comparisons, but I always tell people to diversify their news sources. And, you know, we live in a, in a, in a day and age where you get bombarded with information where you can find out within seconds, something that has happened. You can find out, um, you know, you can find out that there's a suicide bomber in Afghanistan within seconds and then the number of casualties and the death toll. Very few people are ever going to understand the context of why something like that happened. And so what I try to encourage people to do nowadays is not just to look at their phones to hear specific lines of information, but to really understand and have more context. Try to apply knowledge in understanding what it is that you're reading and what it is that you're looking at. And it's hard because we have so many information streams that are bombarding us every day with social media and, and you know the likes of YouTube and Facebook. And then you turn on the TV and you have multiple channels and you're online and you have like dozens of websites. You can't even tell which websites are authentic or not. But at the end of the day, um, people like to criticize the media and that is very valid and the media is not above criticism. But there also has to be an ounce of responsibility on the consumers of information. And that's the one thing that I take away from this, which is everybody who consumes information has a responsibility. You take serious what you put in your body, whether it's the food you drink, the uh, sorry, the food you eat, the, the alcohol you drink, the, the beverages you drink, whatever it is you're consuming as a consumer in this society, you're mindful of it. We have labels to tell us what's safe and what's not safe. And you're, you try to be very careful of what you are um, putting into your system. Information should not be any different. You need to apply a certain degree of rigor when you are deciding what type of information and who's providing that information that you are going to ultimately uh, consume. Nick, um, you know, a bunch of great guests that we've had on, you know, all, a shout out to all four of those folks, Ron Filipkowski, Harry Enten, check him out on CNN and his podcast over on CNN, uh, Kim Whaley, you can catch her across the television landscape, and obviously Eamon Mohideen, Eamon's show Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays, both I think at 9 p.m. on MSNBC, Preeti Varathan, look out for her, she's an amazing producer. Um, what are you looking forward to in 2022 topics wise? You know, we've got, uh, for, for, you know, I like to say interest of full disclosure for everybody. We like to let everybody know how the sausage is made here. You know, we've got some guests lined up in January, presidential historians. We've got professors coming on to talk about school shootings and why we're so numb to mass shootings, but what are some topics and, and, and guests that you're looking forward to potentially in 2022 things that you want to cover on this show? Yeah, it's a, it's an election year. Yes. Yeah, so we've heard a lot of talk about the midterms. It'll be exciting to talk to people just in the political realm, you know, what the trends are. Um, you know, we're also coming out of a, of a really interesting situation of a standoff within the Democratic Party um, between Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia and the rest of the party as it relates to the, um, you know, President Biden's Build Back Better bill. So seeing how that plays out, you know, from a legislative standpoint, what's actually happening in Congress as we get into a midterm, because that, you know, we're going to see a lot of political grandstanding on both sides, people just trying to make a name for themselves, you know, for those who are trying to enter the field, someone like Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, um, you know, we're going to see, it's going to be a, it's going to be a circus. It's an exciting year for us. 
I think there's so many stories to emerge from it. So to be able to talk to someone who is potentially running for a seat or who currently has a seat and is trying to stay in office, I think there's a lot of opportunities to talk to people about that. Um, you know, we talked, you mentioned about school shootings. You know, recently we had on Frank Figluzzi of the FBI on to talk about the situation in Oxford, Michigan. It's a, it's a conversation we can't dive into enough as it relates to something that tragically makes us very unique as a country is our inability to agree on gun laws and gun registration and, and have a really meaningful conversation about what does it mean to have a country, a free country, but also does that freedom allow for people to essentially as citizens walk around with machine guns like we saw in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. So I'm excited about that conversation from Dr. Kirtan once again, like we do on this show based on research, based on some writing that he's done, and just hearing him talk more about that and what these dangerous trends are as it relates to that. Um, those, yeah. are the two, those are the two that come to mind. What about you? You know, I mean, there, there's a bunch you mentioned there. The way these vaccine mandates are going to play out legally, the challenges that may happen, um, obviously, in, in court, things that are getting to SCOTUS's desk, potentially. I know they shot down a bunch, you know, obviously with Indiana. And I think it, I believe it was Indiana University. They upheld that. So like Indiana, you know, students and faculty all had to get vaccinated before returning. But I'm interested to see where all of this stuff plays out because it's long been settled law in this country. And we're starting to see things starting to unravel a little bit. You know, you're seeing it with the abortion laws that are popping up in different places. You know, Texas has a six week one, Mississippi with the 15 week one. We've had correspondents on covering some of that stuff. Check out that episode that we did with Elizabeth Findell from The Wall Street Journal, too. Um, I'm curious to see, like you said, a midterm year. This is something a lot of people are focused on. Obviously, control of the Senate and the House is, is going to be top of mind for everybody. But um, really, for me, the January 6th committee, um, I'm just interested to see where all this stuff nets out because. You know, it's not even the the grand, you know, uh, the big potato in the sky. Right. It's not even about what happens to former President Trump or anything like that. You know, obviously there is some culpability. I, this is Mike Leon's opinion. There's culpability there. No, duh. But you've seen cases like this before where they the guy says I'm playing a character. Right. Or I didn't actually direct people to go do that. I said you need to fight. So however they interpreted that is up to them, not up to me. So. Those the legalities of that is, you know, I'm I'm interested to see how all of that stuff plays out, because the committee has been releasing these text messages and you and I, we said it on the last episode. Yeah. But is any of it illegal? Did anybody commit a crime? Did anybody do anything? Right. Those are blurred lines. And I'm curious to see how that's going to play out in 2022. We're going to have a bunch of guests covering a bunch of different topics like that. I I am so excited at the growth of this show. It's been a year in. Uh, you know, I love doing it. Uh, co-workers of mine are like, how do you, how do you do this? How do you juggle this with the full-time job too? And I got a show over there on that, but I love doing this because you and I get to not only meet once a week and bring our text message conversations over here, but the format that we've put this together into, you know, a show that's digestible and consumable for folks. And also we're learning, like, that's the thing, you know, back to that original comment that guy put on our TikTok page. Yeah. Independent research through YouTube videos is not the way to do it, my man. Okay. And it's not the way to do it for anybody out there listening. The way you do it right is you, you open up your palate and consume 
a bunch of different trusted sources and sites and articles, you know, from verified things, you know, and that's and that's something that even in the education system, we got to come come through here with digital literacy, with teaching kids what's what's a verified source, what's not a verified source, you know, uh, and and do the same things that the journalists and reporters and correspondents out there across the spectrum are, that are doing this daily, right? They want to make sure you have the right information. Right. And just like Eamon mentioned to you in that clip that we heard before, you know, you you have to understand what you're putting into your body. And it's the same way with news consumption. So we look forward to doing that each and every week for you guys to bring you guys the news of the day and also give you informed opinion, perspective and factual information. So I thank each and every one of you for always listening to us. Um, IG, TikTok, Twitter at Can We Please Talk Podcast on Twitter at Can We Please Talk. You want to email us. Can we please talk podcast at gmail.com? Shoot us a note. Come on and leave us, please, a five star review. You can now leave reviews on Spotify. Click the star button right underneath where it says follow. First, you hit follow, then you hit star and leave us a five star review there on Spotify to our Spotify listeners. We thank you. Apple listeners, keep leaving us a five star review and comment, please. We love to read the comments like we recently uh, read on air. And thank you to all the listeners as well on Good Pods. I hope everybody has a happy and healthy holiday season. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And still blown away by the <laughs> growth of this show and um, and just the opportunity to talk to some amazing people. Again, talking to people who know what they're talking about. Blown That's away it. that we still get to do that. I'm Nick Saveri. Happy holidays, everyone. That's it. Take care, everybody. We'll see you in 2022. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.